Well, good morning, Life Church QE2. It is so great to be here this morning with all of you. It is such a privilege, and it's always so good to see for myself with my own eyes what God is doing. And it's pretty cool. I'll get to go back to La Vida and tell everybody, I saw the buildings. You haven't seen them yet. <laughs> so it's, it's awesome. I haven't actually seen them yet, but after the service, <laughs> I'm going to make sure that I do because I want to have those bragging rights when I, when I go back to La Vida. But if you haven't met me before, my name is Anna, and as I said, I'm from our La Vida campus. Um, so it really is fantastic to be here with all of you and see all of you. So thank you for having me. And what I want to speak on this morning came out of an experience that I had a few weeks ago. I was listening to a song and I heard one of the lines of the song and it's like my heart just leaped up inside me. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience, maybe when you've been listening to a song or reading the word or talking to a friend and it's like the Holy Spirit just hits you here and you know in that moment that he is speaking to you. So I had one of those moments and the lyrics were, only you define me, only you refine me. And it actually wasn't a written lyric, if you know what I mean. It was just the singer singing out in worship, doing their own thing. But those words really struck me, and I knew that God was speaking to me. So this morning, I want to speak into those words, into definement and refinement, and get used to hearing those words, because I don't know if anyone wants to count, but you are going to hear those words a lot this morning. So get ready. And the actual written lyrics in this song regarding defining and refining go like this. All I want is to be like Christ, to be like Christ, heart and soul. Every day, more and more defined as your love refines my life. And that is what it is all about. We want to be like Jesus more and more every single day. We want to live in his love. We want to be defined by him, and we want to allow his love to refine our lives. So I looked up the definition of define for you this morning, or you could say that I asked Google to define, define. And I know define is a simple word, and probably all of you know and understand what it means, but I wanted to read out a few paraphrased definitions, because I think it's helpful this morning when we're looking through the lens of how God defines us as his children to really dive into what that word means. So define, to state or describe exactly the nature or meaning of, to make up or establish the character or essence of, and I really liked this next one to determine or identify the essential qualities or meaning of whatever defines us as human. So defining is a simple word, I think we can all agree. But the implications of how we define ourselves are very, very important. Right. And these definitions I read out speak of the qualities, the state of our character, our essence, our nature, what defines us as human. And I think we can look beyond what defines us just as human into what defines us as children of God. So while refinement is more of a process, which we'll get to soon, definement, in my view, is a done deal. Right. When Jesus died on the cross for us, when he took the weight of the world's wrongdoing and sin upon his shoulders, when he exchanged his righteousness for our shame and our sin, he defined us in that very moment. And he defined us as righteous and redeemed. He defined us as loved, and he defined us as his children. So let's pretend for a moment that God has a dictionary 
with all of our names, along with definitions about all of us. And I know that he has the book of life, but it's a little bit different. This is a dictionary. So I've got my wonderful helper, Jeremiah, who's going to bring me God's dictionary, which is pink with um, rose gold spots. So probably not an accurate depiction, but play along with me this morning. Okay, Jeremiah. Dearly loved child of God, bought at a price and adopted into the family of God his workmanship, and made in his image. Redeemed and righteous, holy and beloved, free from the shackles of sin and death, more than a conqueror and an heir with Christ. Is that a good ego verse this morning? <laughs> who, who else needs a reminder this morning? Bex, dearly loved child of God, bought at a price and adopted into the family of God, his workmanship and made in his image redeemed and righteous, holy and beloved, free from the shackles of sin and death, more than a conqueror and an heir with Christ. I think if God actually had a dictionary, it would go a little bit like that. It would be a few pages longer because we know that his thoughts towards us outnumber all of the grains of sand on the earth. But that was my small attempt this morning at how God might define us as his children. Thanks, Jeremiah. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And I love this verse because the word lavished, is, it's not, he didn't sprinkle his love on us. He didn't, you know, get a salt shake and go, oh, just a little bit of love over here, a little bit of love over there. He lavished his love upon us. Lavish speaks of abundance and more and more and more. It speaks of pouring out his love into our lives. There are many things that we can define ourselves by. Some of them are good and some of them are maybe not so good. We might define ourselves by our love for our family or our work ethic, our career, our personality, our generosity, some of those great attributes about ourselves. Or we might define ourselves by our past, our mistakes, our failures. But no matter how we choose to define ourselves, nothing compares to a life that is defined by the love of God. Nothing compares to living a life that is defined by the sacrifice and the price that he paid for us. When we live out of that place, knowing that we are children of God, that he has lavished his love upon us, we live in a place of peace and freedom. When we hold true to God's definition of who we are, we know a life of peace and freedom because we know that God is with us and he is for us. Paul the Apostle says in Galatians 6 verse 14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So Paul is saying there, here that he refuses to boast in anything except the cross. He wants to make known the name of Jesus in this world. And make it known what Jesus has done for humanity by dying on the cross for us. So he's saying here, it doesn't matter what the world might think of me. It doesn't matter what the world values, where the world would place their trust. He places his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He places his trust in the cross. And just as Paul says he never wants to boast in anything except the cross, he didn't hold on to his past or his failures either. He says in 1 Timothy 1, verse 15 to 16, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. 
Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. And I love that. Does anyone else feel like God requires immense patience with them sometimes? But Paul didn't boast about his achievements. He didn't boast about all the churches he planted, his missionary journeys. He didn't boast about the leaders that he raised and the spiritual sons and daughters. He didn't uh, boast about all of the hardship and the persecution that he had to overcome either. But he also didn't dwell on his past. He wasn't fixated on his mistakes, of which there were many. I mean, he calls himself the worst of sinners, so I think that tells you something there. But it was only Jesus that could define him. It was only the sacrifice of Jesus and the cross that determined who Paul was and what he placed his trust in. And that is why he could say that the world had been crucified to him and him to the world. And that isn't saying that he didn't love the people of the world because he did. He loved the people of the world. He gave his life to see people come into a relationship with Jesus. But he didn't love the ways of the world. He didn't love some of the things that the world valued. He didn't value the same things. So we are in the world, but we are not of the world. When we are defined by God, when we understand the worth and the value that we hold because of Jesus' sacrifice, we are willing to let go of anything else that would try and rob us of our God-given identity. So when we can start to understand the way that God sees us, the price that he paid for us, we will start to live out of a place of being defined by God not out of our own achievements or failures, our joy or our pain, what we have or what we don't have, but instead out of the price that Jesus paid for us, out of his definition of us as loved and adored and cherished children of God. So I just encourage you, it is a lifelong journey to keep learning what God says about you, but keep doing that. Keep reading the word. Keep asking God to remind you what he says about you. And I'm happy to read, read it out to you personally after the service if you want that, that dictionary definition this morning. <laughs> but God is not only our definer. He is also our refiner. And I don't know about you, but that word refinement doesn't really bring up warm fuzzies for me. It doesn't really make me excited when I think about refinement. But I think it's really important to talk about what it is and what it means for us in our lives. So refine means to bring something to a pure state by removing imperfections. The process of refinement takes unwanted materials, or dross as it's called, leaving just the good stuff left over. And I was going to fill you in on the process of refinement this morning, but it turns out there are heaps of different methods, and within each of these methods there are heaps of different steps. So to keep it very simple this morning, refinement equals bad stuff gone, good stuff still there. (laughs) Just refinement for dummies, you could say, including myself. And when we are tested, as it says in Job 23 verse 10, I will come forth as gold. And I would like, quite like to come forth as gold. I think that sounds quite cool. But I would not like to face what Job had to face in order to get there. But there is a purpose in the pain of refining seasons. And this is the process that God sometimes takes us through. 
a process of going through the fire and coming out the other side better, coming out the other side changed. It is because God defines us that he gets to refine us. And if you take one sentence, one thought away this morning, I think that is probably it for me. It is because God defines us that he gets to refine us. He is our definer and our refiner. He is the one that created us. He is the one that knows us. And it is because of that that he gets to refine us. He gets to shape us more and more into the person that he has called and created us to be. And I've got a bit of a roller coaster passage of scripture for you this morning, who loves those, from Psalm 66, verse 8 to 12. And you'll see what I mean by roller coaster. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us as like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. So it started out really well, didn't it? Praise our God, all peoples, let the sound of his praise be heard. And it ended really well. You brought us to a place of abundance, but I'm not sure about the middle bit. The middle bit's making me feel a little bit uneasy. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water. That doesn't really sound that appealing to me. Does, does anyone else say, oh yeah, no, I'd be down for that. No, not so much. But the ending, the ending, you brought us to a place of abundance. You brought us to a place of overflow. If we are able, not saying it's easy, but if we are able to surrender our will to his will, if we are willing to face the fire of refinement, we will come out in a place of abundance. We will come out stronger. We will come out with less limitations. And I say that this morning because that's what refining does. It takes away the imperfections, the impurities, the stuff that shouldn't be there anymore, and it leaves us changed. It leads us ready to go and be what God needs us to be in this world. Refining strips the metal. It takes away the dross, and it makes the metal fit for purpose. It leaves only the qualities that make that metal fit for purpose and able to be what it needs to be. The process of refinement takes away in order for us to come out the other side stronger and ready to go and be what we need to be in this world. Refinement throws off limitations, and that is why the psalmist writes that on the other side of refinement is abundance. Christ-like character is the goal. I'm not talking this morning about fire for the sake of fire, challenge for the sake of challenge, struggle for the sake of struggle. I'm talking about seasons or situations that God allows us to walk through because he has a plan, because there are things in our lives that he wants to remove in order to make us more like him. And it's not always easy. In fact, I don't think it's ever easy for us to have that eternal perspective when we're facing up to the fire. 
It's not always easy to seek the holy silver lining to make up a phrase there. We don't always wonder what God might be up to or what his purposes are when we are facing pain. I know that's not my automatic reaction when a trial comes up in front of me. I don't always think, oh, I wonder what God might be wanting to do through this. My initial response is, oh, I don't like this very much. Can it stop now? (laughs) Romans 5 verse 3 to 5 says this. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So here's the thing, church. We don't necessarily desire com- uh, sorry, pain. We don't necessarily desire suffering. We want a certain level of comfort and predictability in our lives. But if I've learned anything in my life so far, and I know it's only been 28 years, but that's still some time, it's that my character has been developed the most when I've been facing difficulty in my life. I've gained the most wisdom through situations that I'd hoped never to be in. I've learned to be more compassionate and empathetic because I can relate to other people through my own struggles. I've become more resilient. My faith has been tested and has come out the other side stronger as I've seen God come through for me time and time again. I've seen evidence that God hasn't left me. He hasn't abandoned me in the midst of the battle. And in fact, he is still moving just as much as ever. And I don't know about you, but those are qualities that I want to see in myself. I want to be able to persevere through challenges. I want to be able to relate to people and be genuinely empathetic because I can understand what they are going through. I want to have resilience. I want to be steadfast. I want to be able to persevere when troubles come my way. And I always want to hold on to hope because hope does not put us to shame. Like it says in James 1, verse 2 to 4, consider it pure joy, pure joy, he's really going there, pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let perseverance finish its work. He has already defined us. He has already told us who we are, but he wants us to see that process of refinement through so that we can be everything that he has called and created us to be. We can go through the fire of refinement knowing that we are secure, knowing that God is with us, knowing that he has already told us who we are, that we are his children, we are known and loved by him. And my hope this morning is that in the midst of your struggles, no matter how big or small they are today, and I know we all have struggles, some might be huge, some might be small this morning, is that you would be reminded and I would be reminded to hold on to the eternal perspective. Not to run from the refining fire as tempting and as natural as that feels, but to remember that it has a purpose. 
And if that's all that you can do is even just to remember that it has a purpose. You don't have to be jumping for joy, although I hope one day that we might be able to get to the the pure joy stage like James talks about in that verse I just read. But even if you can just remember in those difficult moments that God is still at work. God is still with you. He still loves you. His definition of you has not changed. We live in a broken world, and whether it is the refining fire, a challenge that has been designed to shape you and refine us, or whether it's just life being really hard, we can hold on to two things. Number one, we are not alone. And number two, from Romans 8 verse 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose team, could you guys come join me? As we come to the end, I want to read those lyrics out to you again. All I want is to be like Christ, to be like Christ, heart and soul, every day more and more defined as your love refines my life. God has defined you. He has defined you as his child. He has lavished his love upon you. He knows you by name. He knows every single part of who you are. And if you feel like you are walking through the fire right now, please know that God has not changed his mind about you. He has not changed his mind about you. His plans and his purposes and his calling on your life remain the same. He is still faithful. He still loves you. And his Holy Spirit is still with you. Only He defines you. Only He refines you. Don't let what the world would say or what you would even say about yourself define who you are. Don't let your worries, your mistakes, your past, your insecurities, your fears, or even your successes and your achievements let define who you are. In the light of how God sees you, all of that fades away. Because his love is incomparable, it is immeasurable, and it is relentless. And it is because of this love that he has for you that he wants to shape you, he wants to mold you, he wants you to be everything in this world that he has called you to be. It is because of this love that he has for you that he sometimes allows us to go through difficult obstacles and seasons so that we could see perseverance, character, and hope developed in our lives so that we could become more and more like his son as we hold on to that eternal perspective, as we hold on to the hope that we have, the hope that does not let us down. If you would stand with me this morning, church, I would love to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you this morning that we are your children. God, that we are known by you and we are loved by you. And it's not just a little sprinkling of love. You have lavished your love upon us. God, I thank you that you have defined each and every single one of us as a child of God, that we belong to you, Lord, and we belong to your kingdom. God, I pray for anyone this morning that is facing the refining fire right now, anybody that is facing up to a struggle or a challenge or a battle in their lives. God, I pray that you would remind them in this moment that you are with them. 
God, I pray that they would not be afraid of what they are facing, Lord, but they would call on your name. They would be someone that would rely on you, would have hope in you, would place their trust in you no matter what they are facing. God, I pray that you will just flood our hearts with hope right now. You would flood our lives with peace, Lord. That even as we face up to the fire, we would know your Holy Spirit working and moving in our lives. Thank you, Lord. God, I just pray for courage as well. God, for those that are feeling really afraid by what they are facing, Lord, I pray that you will place a boldness and a confidence in them, Lord. That they would know that they have God on their side, a mighty warrior. God who never fails. Thank you, Lord. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.